Let me tell you today about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, or you can record it on another device or platform and transfer it to Anchor. It will distribute your podcast for you through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast right in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Yeah. And did you not go... Oh, we should we should, we should be starting the show and doing this talk. Oh, we could. Uh, yeah, okay. Okay. Well, or like, are we doing it now? We might We might as well just continue it. I'm recording. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> All right. Do you want to start the show? Yeah. Oh, let, yeah. Me go to the, let me go to the bathroom. Here we okay. get it out. Oh, my God. Welcome in, players, to the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show, the show that walks the number nine hitter on four pitches. I'm your pitcher that now just got sent to the minors, your host, D Mandy, here with my call up from Triple A, Eric Mendelson. What's up, E? Uh, not much. i kind of bummed that I have to help this weenie move tomorrow. Who are you talking to? Unfortunately, my brother. Who's your brother? <laughs> The weenie that hosts Triple Play Baseball. <laughs> D-M-N-D. Oh God, I, I forgot that I share the same blood as you. And then we, we've we got our other uh, guy here coming to clean up my mess on the base paths. we got Art Tornabeni, a.k.a. Lil Cheesecake DLC. How we doing? LC's living large, uh, cleaning my dungeon to, uh, to make it podcast ready. Going to get the acoustics down here. Perfect. LC's living large. Oh, I love it. Elsie in the dungeon, living large. Well, we're living large today because on deck we have our first mailbag show we put on on Twitter, at Trip Play Fantasy, for players to submit their questions for the show. We'll be going through all these questions in depth and detail and hopefully get you the answers you're looking for. After that, we're going to give you a possible intro to my NFBC team, Triple Play Fantasy. Uh, we've been talking a little NFBC uh, since I have a, I'm drafting a team right now. So we're going to give you a little talk about that. And then we have a mystery game coming in to shut the door at the end of the show. But first up to bat is our news and notes. News and notes, we have a trade. Holy baseball. On Tuesday, the Padres and A's completed the first trade since the roster freeze was lifted last week, swinging a deal that sends infielder Jorge Mateo to San Diego in exchange for a player to be named or cash considerations, the Padres announced. Part of the deal that sent Sonny Gray to the Yankees in 2017, Mateo spent eight seasons in the minors between the Yankees and A's systems, batting 267 with 52 home runs. He's also swiped 283 bases during that time, including 82 between the two levels in 2015. Mateo was Oakland's number seven prospect, but now is 13th on San Diego's list per MLB pipeline. So, guys, basically... I know it's a name that doesn't really kind of ring a bell for anybody, but does this mean anything for you that you see the first trade happening that you now know, okay, baseball's back? Eric, what do you think? Yeah, I think a trade like this wouldn't get as much talk as it is. 
if it wasn't the circumstances that we're in. Uh, hopefully it is the, the start of trading, but I can't see people being okay with switching locations, you know, because the divisions are going to play each other. Um, I, I think that it, it would affect someone's life too much, but who knows? All right, what are your thoughts? Well, this was a trade that Oakland had to make. The uh, I, I believe both Franklin Barreto and Jorge Mateo were out of options to go back to the minor leagues. So they made a decision to keep Franklin Barreto to be the primary second baseman, primary backup infielder, uh, possibly taking over second base in Oakland because they have Tony Kemp right now manning the spot. Uh, Jorge Mateo is obviously going to be on the major league roster with San Diego. So they, San Diego got him and they got him to play. Uh, they got him to play there. Uh, let me give me a second here. Right now, their second baseman is Jerks and Profar who's not lighting anyone's world on fire. So I think there's a chance this could work out for playing time, both for Jorge Mateo and Franklin Barreto. Uh, so, and, and they're toolsy guys. Uh, Mateo has a loud bat and he has speed, but for some reason he didn't get a chance. I think he was with the Yankee system before he was in, even in Oakland. So this is, this is a, an interesting trade in that it, it, it might open, might show you some intentions of Oakland and San Diego, how they're going to sort out their middle infield. I think it's interesting because you see that he was Oakland's number seven prospect, but now he's 13th in San Diego, which means you can just see how deep San Diego's prospect system is. They're just loaded with talent. Uh, this is this is a team that is just going to keep churning in young talent, and San Diego is going to be a threat. Um, Good dynasty team. Yes, yes. Next bit of news, the announcements of some Major League uh, Baseball players sitting out have begun this week. So far, Mike Leak, Joe Ross, Ryan Zimmerman, and Ian Desmond have all decided to sit out the 2020 season. If you haven't looked at uh, Ian Desmond's Instagram post, you should definitely look at that. Check it out. It's a very powerful post that he put out there. Uh, applaud him for the decision he's making. The two questions I want to ask you guys, and Art, I'll start with you. One, comment your thoughts and feelings just from the player side, The how difficult it must be to basically not just turn down millions of dollars, but something you've been doing every single year since you know the Little League days, you're all of a sudden not doing. And then the second part of it, just kind of talking about from the fantasy baseball side of things, Who's going to benefit from the increased playing time that now that they're going to get from these guys sitting out? I mean, you feel for these players uh, during these times of coronavirus. I mean, every anyone who has a family, anyone who lives with someone they love, they realize that um, this is a serious time, and 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 going out and and possibly adding risk to your family, as as you said last week, um, these. These players have families, and and apparently Ian Desmond has a child on the way, and um, you know you have young children, and the best thing in this time, the safest way to to be is to to be home with them. So I understand and I respect these decisions, and you know the the uh, good on them for 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 prioritizing that. Um, I do think that there's a lot of fun going on. Now that Ryan Zimmerman is not going to be in the rotation for the Nationals infield, I, I like Howie Kendrick. I like Carter Keboom, my boy from our last <laughs> prospect battle. Um, uh, um, 
I know every everyone's trying to mind read what happens in Colorado with no Ian Desmond. What do you guys think about Ian Desmond being uh, being gone? Yeah, I definitely think it helps Garrett Hampson, um, somebody that from a fantasy perspective has multi-position eligibility on fantasy pros. He's second base, shortstop, and outfield. So, um, you know, his his last five weeks he hit three thirty with five homers and ten stolen bases. A great roto player. Uh, so I, I think him, and I really like what you said about Kendrick. I think he's going to have a great year as well. Some guy I also think that might benefit is uh, Sam Hilliard. You guys might remember that name from kind of the end of the season getting picked up. He hit 273 uh, and had 21 hits and 13 RBIs in 77 at-bats last year, and that's opening up an outfield spot for him to potentially come in there. And hopefully the Rockies don't give us the Tapia treatment because I think we know what Rafael Tapia is at this point. <laughs> He's a piece of fish. So <laughs> I, I hope they give Sam Hilliard a, the bulk of the playing time out in the outfield. You have guys like Ryan McMahon who are going to probably play every day. You don't forget you have Brendan Rodgers, who is their top prospect, that's going to probably get some playing time. There's so many young Rockies there. You just hope that they get the chances to flourish and that the guys that you kind of know who they are at this point don't necessarily get as much playing time. But I think the Rockies are a very interesting team. And you can probably snag a lot of these young guys at the ends of your draft. Yeah, uh, also um, Joe Ross not not being around uh, in the Nationals fray. Maybe that locks up the spot for Austin Voss, the much-talked-about young Nationals pitcher. Um, so he's someone who might have more certain game time this season. Yeah, and I think the competition is between him and Eric Fed, Fetty, and uh, it sounds Fetty like he Wap. has the inside. <laughs> I was like- thinking that. I'm yeah, glad right? you said it. <laughs> you were thinking it, but you didn't say it, Eric. Yeah, but... You actually know his music. I don't, I don't know his music. <laughs> From everything I hear, it sounds like he has the inside track. And then just to touch on the one name we didn't touch on, Mike Leak, uh, if, you weren't, if you were concerned that that was early season rambles that Zach Gallen wasn't going to have a rotation spot, this all guarantees him a rotation spot. And probably Merrill Kelly now is going to take that last spot. So... Lots of different fantasy news coming from this information, but we've got plenty of more fantasy content we want to get to you guys. So before we get to our mailbag, do you like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more Triple Play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy football show that you can also check out, also available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about being a pal? Leave us a five-star rating and review. Help us help you and help us keep growing and working to provide you with funny and informative content. Also check us out on Twitter and Instagram at TripPlayFantasy. Eric runs our social media and provides great daily questions, gifts, and our course with our weekly episode drops. Lastly, tell a friend about us, who then might tell a friend, who then might tell some of their peeps, and before you know it, we may rule the world. But it all starts Pay with you. Pay it forward. Pay it forward. That's <laughs> yes. right. Pay it forward. Yeah. It starts with you. Thank you, the loyal player, for your listens each and every week. I know that David is serious about this because he complimented me. He never does that. <laughs> yeah, I might have to edit that. And then... <laughs> On to the mailbag. You've got mail. We asked people to submit their questions via our Twitter account. Questions they want answered in this shortened 2020 season. 
We appreciate all the responses we got back, and we're going to answer the ones that came in. There were a lot of good questions sent in from a variety of different areas about the game, so it'll be fun to answer each one. We're going to dive into our first one here, and this one is from at John Swag Johnson asks, what can the Mariners do to fix their franchise and actually move in the right direction and break their no playoff streak? He then follows up and says, kind of a loaded question since they're unfixable, but would love to hear your opinion. So my first thing before you, I'll let you guys kind of go with this, but stop selling your players. Stop giving your team away. <laughs> that's, that's my simple answer. But Eric, I'll let you take it from there. I love the fact that John Swag Johnson was set on airways, and I am with you on trading talent. I think they need to keep on hitting on a few draft picks. I like Justice Sheffield, and I like Dylan Moore. I think those are two good building blocks. But you look at their contracts. Kyle Seeger makes $19.5 million. Kikuchi makes $15.5 and, and D. Gordon makes $13.8. Together, that makes up 48.6% of their salary cap. Then the fourth highest earner is Malik Smith at $2.3 million. I think they need to follow the national strategy and stock up on some, on some young draft picks. And then just like the Nationals did when they signed Worth to that seven-year 126, and even though he never panned out, it was the signing that's like, okay, we're going to start being competitive. You know, maybe they throw a lot of money at Mookie Betts or another like uh, superstar that's going to hit free agency. Um, but I'm with you. They can't keep giving their young players away. Paxton, Colome, um, you know, Edwin Diaz for basically nothing. So the one thing I will come back at you with that is they kind of did that with Robinson Cano when they signed him from the Yankees. And it hasn't and how really long worked ago, out. And, yeah, and how long ago was that? I mean, they gave him a boatload of cash. But they're not. Eh, they, I guess they, they're paying for it. They some, backed. But. They backed the truck up. They and did. Just, and just dumped it on him. Um, and it's not like they're a high revenue team. You know, they're one of those teams that are. I feel like are in one of those markets that aren't getting as much viewership, as many fans. Ever since Ichiro retired, that was their big kind of thing in that at that time. So, and then you obviously had like you know Griffey and all that. So. I think what I think what you're kind of alluding to, they need a marketable player. They need a marketable player, not necessarily signing a, a free agent, but they need someone that's marketable, someone that has that's going to bring fans and sit in the seats. Someone, this is the first name that came in my head, and and I'm not saying this guy is a, was the best of his time, or but someone, uh, the first name that came to my head was like a Brian Wilson, someone that's that's going to get people to watch games, and then it's going to make them more relevant. Remember, like the beard, all his antics, everything like that. I, I think you need to make the Mariners someone that people need to watch on TV. So you get guys in there that have talent and have personality, and then they attract other guys in there because it's a fun clubhouse and they're starting to become competitive. That's how I think. I think you need not necessarily to just dump money at players, but you need to bring in the right mix of players and you need to write, bring in some personalities that are going to put fans in the seats. What do you think, Art? I think, well, I, I, my first thought when, when I looked at this question is, is what has their GM been doing? You guys talked about his trading and I think um, Jerry DePoto is known as trader Jerry. That's his nickname in, in the game. Uh, he was with the Angels. He traded a lot with the, when he was the Angels GM. Well, he, he got in a dispute with Mike Sosha and left the Angels, spent a little bit of time in Boston, like half a season, then started in Seattle right away, started trading right away. Um, I think 
I think his trades have been mostly negligible on the whole. He's traded away some good players. Uh, he traded away Cattell Marte, uh, and traded away Chris Taylor, traded away, um, uh, traded away Luis Gohara, the uh, pitching prospect, traded away Pablo Lopez, the good young pitcher, traded away R- Ryan Yarbrough. I mean, there's a lot of talent that he's traded away that could be helping this really young pitching staff that has not very much going for it right now. But he, he did well later to restock the, 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 the farm system with his later trades. Um, but it was very depleted. They haven't been to the playoffs in how long? And they're the ninth best system right now, according to MLB.com. So I think this is a guy who's not, uh, as they would say, a wartime consigliere. He's not the guy who comes in and has a plan for getting the team from where it is to to competitiveness, to 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 winning the division, to creating the team. He's mi- mixing things up too much, as you guys say. That's that's you know I, that's my take on it. That they that they need to get a new GM. They need to get a solid direction with their franchise because. They're giving up more talent. They're giving up a lot of talent and not getting, you know, and not really using their draft and the trades to replenish their talent very well. Yeah, I I agree with what you're saying, Art, and, and David, you as well. They signed Cano to that deal in 2013, and I'm not saying now, but I think in the next two to three years, like just like the Phillies and Padres did with Harper and Machado, I think sometimes in a smaller market, you have to go for that big fish even if it's just for breaking the playoff streak. Um, but agreed, GM needs to go. It's like the Ernie Grunfeld of MLB. I, and like, they, they, sorry, but like Felix Hernandez's career flamed out. Uh, Robbins Cano did not live up to the contract. They made some wrong bets, too. And that's another reason why, why the franchise is in a tough spot, because they had invested in guys who they thought filled those lead roles, and they just didn't. They just didn't. Yeah, I, I think right now they're definitely it's a mess. And as a Mariners fan, John, I, I can't imagine this playoff drought what it feels like, um, especially when you see them come off to their amazing starts like they had last season. And instead of trying to acquire talent to build upon what you had, you pretty much just let yourself plateau and then start declining and then just sell and just sold everything. And that must be incredibly frustrating. I can't even imagine. But why couldn't this? Why couldn't this be the NFL Seattle team that has this playoff <laughs> drought? Goodness. All right. Well, let's let's move to our next question. At Marty Tillman says, which batters in the NL, specifically batters that are going to hit more because of the DH, are you targeting the most post 280p? He doesn't say from which site ADP, so we're just going to assume he's talking about Fantasy Pros ADP. So, Art, I'll start with you for this one. Who are you looking at in the National League to get the benefit from the DH post 280p? So, so many players. So many players. So let's start over the people I've already talked about. Uh, um, Andrew McCutcheon is going to get a little bit more playing time. The Phillies are going to use the DH as kind of like an off day. At least I've heard that said. Buster Posey as a catcher, late, late catcher, get some DH time. Cole Calhoun in Arizona, guy hit like 35 bombs last year, uh, so he's 
he's going ADP 270 something and uh, 30 home run power. Francisco Mejia. And uh, I, I have more, but I'll let you guys talk. Francisco Mejia is the last guy I want to say right off. Catcher eligible. And I think they're looking to use him as a DH. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah, we had talked a little bit about Howie Kendrick and Garrett Hampson, and those were a couple of my guys. And Art, you've talked on some. I like Cole Calhoun. I like Eric Hosmer. He's had less than 90 RBIs once in the last five years. He's played at least 155 games in all of those seasons, so he's pretty durable. And he talked about making a change to his swing. Padres have a, a decent lineup, you know, with Machado and some of the other young talent they have, Tatis. So for a late-round flyer, why not? One guy that first comes to my mind, thinking of the world champs, uh, Adam Eaton. I think he's getting older. He's When he plays, he's he does a lot. He's a five-category contributor. And having that benefit of him not playing in the field might keep him healthier for the whole season, which can do amazing for his production. Another guy that comes to my mind is pick whichever Dodger you want. You have Max Muncy. You have Matt Beatty. You have Jock Peterson. David's a big have, Matt Beatty guy. I do like my I do like my Matt Beatty, but the Dodgers had so many bats and no places to put them that now that they're going to be able to just rotate guys in and out and the DH is going to be their off day. Guys like Justin Turner come to my mind as well. Someone that, hey, you played three games in a row, you're going to be off. It's like, no, it's like you play three games at third base, then you're going to play a game at DH. And Dave Roberts has already come out and said that he's pretty much just going to keep rotating guys at the designated hitter. It's already directly come from his mouth. So I think that's going to help that. And another situation I look for is in Cincinnati, they had such a crowded outfield. You had Aristides Aquino, you had Nick Senzel, you had Nick Castellanos, you had um, Phil Irvin, you had Van Meter, Van, Josh Van Meter. There's so many, so many guys in that outfield, and uh, I, I just think Jesse Winker. There's so many guys that need at best that that's going to open up a spot for somebody else, and so that that way these guys are going to be a lot more fantasy relevant. All these guys that we're saying are, you know, uh, the Nick Senzel is 225. Um, these guys are all going to get the benefit of increased playing time with that extra bat. Art, is there other ones that you didn't get a chance to say? Yeah, I wanted to mention a few more. I wanted to mention um, Matt Carpenter, someone I mentioned as someone I mentioned on an earlier show. I think Matt Carpenter gets uh, DH time. Justin Smoke, really late. Mm-hmm. Guy has a big power bat, uh, but he's a, he's going to be in Milwaukee, which is a good home run park. Justin Smoke's close to pick 400 um and then you got to talk about uh garcia and braun mm-hmm. uh, milwaukee as two other guys um you guys you yeah i was going through the teams i was going down i'm going check 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 the team <laughs> is making a big difference in the end there's going to be a lot more valuable hitters this year because instead of 15 you know pitcher slots in the nl those could serve to hitters who, you know, in a shortened season, never know how they do. You know, one guy we didn't bring up whose ADP on Fantasy Pros is 335. Jonas Cespedes is right now in line to be the DH yep. for the Mets. Sorry, I don't like it. And he's, he's, pretty it. Much, he's pretty much free at this yeah, point. In a points league, he's pretty much negative at this point. <laughs> I guess it can depend on the format you want. But, he, I mean, it, if he sucks in the beginning of the year, give him a week. If he sucks, you can cut bait with him. So... That's another guy that might benefit. And then obviously we already touched on the Rockies and guys that are going to get some more playing time as well. 
So hopefully that's a good list of guys that you can target. Um, There's so many after 200 that can contribute the season now that we have the DH. But let's move to our next question. And this is from at Sid Veda. Luke, I am your father. Asks, with the Yankees addition of Garrett Cole, is he the final piece to their first World Series appearance in over a decade? And it's funny because... Some people are complaining about not having a World Series appearance in 10 years when the Mariners haven't been to the playoffs since, what, 2001. <laughs> Just interesting from different fan bases what's expected. So, Eric, I'll start with you for this question. I don't think that they're going to go to the World Series. I think they're better. But they have a pretty injury-prone team. Aaron Judge, Aaron Hicks, John Carlos Stanton, James Paxton, none of, them, none of them have been like, yeah, I'm coming out and playing opening day. I think there's a lot of good teams in the AL, the Astros, the Twins, the Angels, the Athletics, and Domingo Herman is suspended as well the entire season. I think they'll probably win the AL East, but I wouldn't say they're the favorite to come out. What do you think, Art? I, I think that the Garrett Cole contract is a—I mean, he's a good signing, obviously, for them. If you look at their rotation now— Going into the season, Garrett Cole is their one. Their number two, uh, Tanaka. I think I think Paxton is actually their, their two. But um, So Tanaka, Paxton, Hap, and Jordan Montgomery, that is not a, a top-level staff. They're missing Severino. They're missing Domingo Herman. They got a, pros, a guy who everyone dreamed on a few summers ago, Jonathan Loisiga. He's going to be in their bullpen, but that that staff is not is not going to light the world on fire. They have a great bullpen, so I mean they're they're set up for a playoff series, but their staff. I mean they needed him. If you see him on the top of a staff with Severino, Domingo, Herman, or Paxton and Tanaka's your five, that's a much different staff. So um, my one, oh, I'm sorry, I keep going. Oh no, I, I, no. Go you go you go ahead. I I'm I I'll, I'll talk forever about this one. You go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> My only thought when I asked all this question, is there any season that's built better for the Yankees than to have your pitchers go in a short season, pretty much twice through the order, and then have your best bullpen in baseball just come in and shut the door when you don't have to worry about their arms getting exhausted in 60 games? I feel like if there's a season for them to win, it's this year. You have the best pitcher in baseball. You have the best bullpen in baseball. You have an extremely shortened season where there's going to be a fewer chances for more Yankees to get hurt. We always know that more are going to keep getting hurt. And it allowed... Uh, Stanton to be fully rested you can argue if he's going to be good or not but he's ready for the season judge might actually end up playing at some point now um, I, I don't see any type of situation that's going to work out better for them than to win this season and, and you also again you want to talk about the Astros have the whole scandal on their back and I know kind of got swept under the carpet with the whole corona stuff going on but you don't I I would be surprised if they still don't get thrown at when the season starts and if they don't play a little differently when uh, teams are kind of targeting them. And, you know, I'm a Twins fan, but Twins always choke in the playoffs and Yankees always have their number. And, you know, the Angels, we I guess we don't know what we're going to see from them yet. I just, the Red Sox are bad. I don't really see there being any reason that this can't be their year. That's just I how mean, I... They're, they're the favorites. 
it's I, I think they're the favorites going into the season. Um, I'd look this up in a different way too. Big free agent signings happen, you know, every year. How many of them lead to championships in their first year? I well, the top ten free agent signings ever: Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, A. Rod, Texas. Anthony Rendon, Strasburg, both this past offseason, so we'll see. Albert Pujols, Robinson Cano, and David Price. David Price won a championship in his second season with the Red Sox. But you remember, he was not loved in Boston, uh, his, his contribution. So these big contracts often don't often lead to championships in the first season. Um, but if you look at what the Yankees, the Yankees could not have done any better this offseason than getting Garrett Cole. That's that's the that's the he was the big prize. Everybody yeah. else was second yeah. after that. The one thing Art is, I think you listed eight guys. You said, yeah, what, maybe. So I think all but David Price were hitters, and you have a guy that's hitting once out of nine guys and can just get kind of pitched around if they're really still doing well. And then there's been documenting shown that when hitters switch leagues, that they struggle initially in their first year, that it takes some time for them to adjust. And I think a lot of people are projecting the same. You know, you talked about Pujols when he went from the Cardinals to the Angels and um, and Harper when he went from, uh, well, he didn't switch leagues, but a lot of times these players are struggling. One guy going every fifth day, but then when you get in the playoffs, then pitching three games in a seven-game series, I think is a, means so much more than a hitter coming up once every nine at-bats. Um, that, that's just, how, again, how I feel about it, because when you put it out there like that, and when uh, you say that seven of the eight were hitters, and then obviously with Strasburg, him, or if you count Strasburg and him, uh, not obviously just getting signed, that right. that's where, at least to me, I'm like, Yankees get in the playoffs. You have to see Garrett Cole three times. I also don't think he's going to be as good as he was last year. I think that was a contract year. It's a thing we've seen from a lot of players before they hit free agency. Not saying he won't be good, but I don't think he's going to be as dominant. Well, let's leave it at this. Sid Vader, 23. I think they're going to the World Series this year from the American League. Eric, what do you think? Uh, I am going to go Indians. Art? I'll take the field uh, against the Yankees. Um, I think there's there's enough good teams, and I can see the Yankees losing in the ALCS again. All right, well, we'll see what happens. Let's move to our next one. At Tim Nato Sauce inquires, he's a rising high school baseball player, actually now going to pitch at Dundalk High, uh, College. He inquires, thoughts on Major League Baseball trying to go away from umps and trying out robot or electronic strike zones? So this is something that baseball is trying to move towards. So I think I started with Eric on the last one. So Art, I'll start with you for this one. What do you think about what Major League Baseball is trying to do going towards this? I hate it. I hate it so hard. I like umpires. I like there to be a human element in the in the game. I think umpires, like for 150 years – Learning how your umpire calls the game is part of the game, part of the mental aspect of the game. A box is it makes it clean for like the television and but like it to me it makes the game less 
you know, grounded and tied to earth and the dirt that you play in on, you know, not to get, yeah, I guess I'll get romantic on it. Like I want to, I want there to be someone out there to yell at. I want there to be someone out there that a pitcher can, can nibble off the plate. And because he's that good at nibbling, he gets the, the umpire's eyes to move that far off the plate. I love that part of the game and I don't want that taken away. Like, like, we were talking about it last. The ones that get to me on umpires are when they miss strikes, like really down the middle strikes, and they just don't call them, you know. And otherwise, like you just said, like you said last week, I, I, it's a hard job. I don't. It doesn't bother me that much the calls they make. What do you guys think? Go ahead. Do you want to go? Uh, just my thoughts on it, honestly, is I liked when they went technology for balls in the outfield like to see if they were trapped or not i liked the being able to challenge a play at first base because that can impact so much of a game uh, i liked those things where it's like hey the better team is going to win like you don't want something to to screw over another team and and um and, and I, I get there's that human element aspect but at least in those instances i was glad for the technology and the home runs obviously as well for home plate umpires calling balls and strikes I, I, that's the part I want to keep the same. I like the umpires. They're like, oh, I think it's Angel Hernandez that they, oh, he's naturally a small strike zone, and it's like you know that's how the game's going to be called, but he's going to be consistent, and it's going to be for both teams that way. Or it's like, oh, they have a big strike zone, or hey, he's letting pitches up in the zone. He's calling those uh, those higher pitches strikes. Like I, I think that that adds to the strategic part of it, where you're like, okay, this is what they're calling, so I'm going to try to hover up in that hover in that zone or he doesn't call a lot of uh, strikes in his in a small strike zone so I know I have to be closer to the plate and hitters know that in their mind like okay he's got a small strike zone so I'm going to probably see a better chance of something down the middle I think that that plays right into the mental element of the game and I think that's what still makes again the the unique part of the game I mean you have uh, basketball and, and football still have refs and uh, and ref you know so why should baseball get away from that aspect of it? And that's where I'm like, look, everything else, I'm glad with the technology. you got to keep umpires in baseball. Yeah, I mean, I think if you have those robot umps, you're going to have unforeseen challenges. I remember a few years ago when they first tested this and balls that hit the dirt but then bounced in the strike zone, they called a strike because they can't analyze that it hit the ground. What are you going to do if you're using this technology and it starts to rain? and something short circuits, and it doesn't tell you if a pitch is a ball or a strike. I think there's so many things that people don't realize about, and is MLB striving for perfection? I think there's bigger issues that the game has to worry about right now resolving. In my experience, umping, I think you know you want to make sure the training's good and that you're fair and that you're consistent with what you call. Uh, but you're right, it is part of the game. It's, you know, you need a person there to, to judge it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Art, is there anything you want to add before we move to the next question? I hate it. I want to say it again. I hate the idea <laughs> Never let them in the game. That's when they take over. You guys have all seen Terminator. That's my final word. We've all, we've all seen Terminator. What's going to happen to baseball? Maybe I've only seen half of Terminator. Oh. <laughs> Maybe I haven't seen any of Terminator. Uh, well, make some time. Make some time. Hold assumptions time. by our uh, co-hosts. You, you have time these days. They're good movies. I can't deny that. Uh, our next question, 
at ain't done yet. Our friend Jacob from who came on our fantasy football show this past week, he asks, who are some of your dark horse candidates to win the NL and AL Cy Young Award? And why is one of them Tyler Glass now? And he gave the smug face emoji. So I think he thinks Tyler Glass now is included in this, and I wouldn't say he's wrong. So, Eric, I'll start with you. Give us a dark horse candidate. Yeah, um, I, Art, I really like your Josh Hader pick. Um, and for me, I like Michael Soroka, and if you're a betting guy, he's plus 3,000. So in his first 60 games, he went 6-1 and one with a 1.41 ERA, and he plays in a weak division. So... That's that's a dark horse. I couldn't find the line on Hater, but if you can get that bet in for Soroka, I think there's some value. Art, who do you think? I I like I like Soroka. I think he has more in his arm, and I think he's shown that he's a really smart pitcher so far. So it, he, if he gets a little bit more strikeout in his arm, he's a he's a Cy Young candidate. Um, Chris Paddock, maybe too high. You Darvish another guy who could who could dominate over a short stretch. Uh the AL I had a a tougher time. I think James Paxton is potentially a Cy Young like a they had cuz there's an upper crust in the AL. Uh and then you got James Paxton, maybe Frankie Montas. I like Montas. Um he was really dominant for a short stretch. And then what and, happened? And well, then he, he got, got caught cheating. <laughs> yeah, but I'm I I'm betting that he can produce the same way without it. Maybe I'm stupid. <laughs> he was really good though. Well, well, I have a couple guys, and you know, again, you can take what you want with the what the Braves came out and said. But I was really big on uh, Max Fried this year. Again, having the fourth lowest, uh, fourth highest ground ball percentage, second lowest barrel rate, and launch angle last year. So I think that again. You, with him already having supposedly being able to get better and him already producing that much weak contact and a low barrel rate, I think that's going to help him again, which helped his X slug and his X ISO. I think the Braves have a good offense and they're going to get a lot of wins. And again, you might not see a league leader with six. So if they give him the innings and let him actually qualify for wins, I think he could be a real dark horse with the leap I expect him to make. And then, you know, I got to mention Nick Nasty for the American League, the that version for Josh Hader. He, uh, again, his stuff was incredibly nasty last year. If he's, if they're letting him get holds, saves, I mean, let me ask you guys this: If a pitcher finishes the year with a 0.00 ERA, and they have the qualified amount of innings, does that automatically give them the Cy Young? What do you think? No. I mean, they they could have the minimum amount of innings, but I, I'm not saying that they wouldn't win, but I don't think it's an automatic. Let's say the let, let's say the league leader in innings. Um, let's see, 60 games, which is probably about 12 starts. Your best case scenario, 12 starts. If you average this is all at the top of my head right now. If you average seven innings a start, um, that's about what, 72 total innings. Or 84, sorry, 84 innings. So that if you have 84 innings, let's say a guy pitches 60 and hasn't given up a run. I mean, you don't if he think breaks they... our boy Oral's record, maybe. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. If 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 the guy 
like I'm not saying Nick Anderson's going to do it, but if if Nick Anderson, okay, let's say he pitches 50 innings. If Nick Anderson pitches 50 innings, and pitch 30. Okay, pitch 30. Don't break David's heart. Let him dream. Okay, so I'll I'll take Nick Anderson away from this. If any pitcher pitches 50 innings, ends the year at like 51.2 innings. So it'll probably be a reliever then. And the year 51.2 innings and does not give up a run, does that automatically give them the Cy Young in your eyes? Oh, it depends on how they do it. I think like you can, I think probably, I think 99%, yes, you'd look at them and they, because they would be like 7 or 8 and 0, you know. They wouldn't have any losses. Or they might have losses from unearned runs. And maybe that maybe they have like three unearned run losses because their team's offense stinks, and so they're like four and three. <laughs> He's like four and three with no earned <laughs> with no earned <laughs> runs. <laughs> um, I do want to talk about Tyler Glass now. Before his injury last year, he had a he was six and one with a one point eight six ERA, and he had fifty five strikeouts in forty eight point one innings. And we've seen the Rays open with Ryan Yarbrough and Jalen Beeks. So if they open with them and Glass now comes in in the second or third, he could qualify for the win. So I think anyone that the Rays use like that um, could be a good pick for Cy Young. Yeah, but they use Glass now, Morton, and Snell without an opener usually. So unless they started to switch that up, I think the only time— Never trust, do- never trust Kevin Cash. <laughs> Or anything you want to add before we move to our next question? I I'm not as high on glass now as everyone else is this year. I think I I'm I'm worried about his injuries. Uh, I I don't think he's worth his draft pick right now. I think he's being taken too high. Look at his draft picture though, and tell me you, that no one has a more confident smile than him. <laughs> you I, draft I mean, conf- guys on smiles, Eric. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the things. <laughs> if a guy looks really confident. I feel good about that his ability. So then if you're in an NFBC team, just draft with Eric. That's one less person you have to worry about. Uh, you know, I could end up winning it. Don't doubt my strategies. All right, let's move to our next question. At J-Dub, the gamer illustrates to us, are you buying the pre-injury Dansby Swatson breakout from last year or not so much? Before I, I get to you guys for this question, Frank Stample actually put out a tweet today um, from CBS uh, fantasy baseball today it's like he knew we got this question he put out in 2019 his first 85 games before his foot injury he hit 269 with a 815 OPS with 15 homers 55 runs 52 RBIs seven stolen bases which in a, a 150 game pace is 26 homers 97 runs 91 RBIs 12 steals his last 42 games which he was playing hurt he hit 213 with a 611 OPS two homers 22 runs, 14 RBIs, three steals. So, yes, are you getting – so that's what he's talking about with the pre and post. Those are his numbers. So I think – I went in and I dug in. I'm sorry to steal the spotlight from you guys for this question. Um, but if you look at his numbers, his batting average has never been amazing. But if you look at his pitch tracking and you look at his his ex-slug has gone up each year, his ex-BA has gone up each year, and he's overall just – he's – He's getting more comfortable. The amount of uh, the percentage he's hitting his fastballs is a lot higher. Um, he is striking out a little bit more, but his power is going up, and his batting average isn't really changing too too much. 
he's also given you 10 to 15 steals too, you know, and, and that's in the shortened season or in the, when he was injured, he probably gives you closer to 20 when he's fully healthy. I, I think you can, he is what he is. I think I don't expect for him to take a huge leap forward into something. I don't expect for him to all of a sudden be a top five shortstop, but I don't think that what you saw at the end of last year is what he's actually going to do. I think he's going to be a useful player on your team. Hopefully you can put him at a middle infield spot. I wouldn't feel as comfortable with him as like my starting shortstop, but if you have him as kind of a, a top bench option or you plug him in your middle infield, I think he's a great value, especially in a rotisserie league. Uh, Art, what do you think? I think you're exactly right. I think, the way you phrased it too about like you're, you're not expecting him to be great um he's going on average 262 uh in nfbc he's going 231 and yahoo's going 322 on average Dansby swanson he's he's a guy you're drafting late um because but because you see his potential, you'll you'll pick him a little bit higher. I think you got to start looking around to 200 to 220 to make sure you get him. His projections are in line with his last season's full season batting average, 252 to 254. I think Dansby Swanson has a 270 season in him. I think what you're looking for out of him is for him to hit around 270 and to have about an 800 OPS. The whole season, his OPS last year was like was over 700, so we're, it wouldn't be a huge leap. The reason why I think it he's in the, he has it in the cards is because his uh, his approach is validated by his batted ball profile. Um, he uh, he hits a lot like uh, the the people who his batted ball profile is most like are guys like um, uh, sorry. Um, uh, Ramon Laureano, uh, Freddie Freeman, uh, JT Real, JB Real Muto, Yasiel Puig's a lot like him. He has like he has that power, you know, mid middle power bat on him, and and he looks like with the way he hits the ball that he should actually be hitting closer to 270. Uh, so would I would I bet that he's going to have 270, 800 OPS? No. But I think I wouldn't be surprised if he does that. That that's that's what I'm hoping to get him at like 220. The problem is shortstops go quickly. Do you want to wait? Maybe you don't get him at 220. Maybe someone snags him at 215. Do you want to wait that long for him? That's that's where I well, I ha- I haven't gotten him because he's like, oh I I to get my middle infielder with Dansby Swanson I gotta wait till packed pick 200 to grab him. <laughs> there's a lot of good shortstops ahead of that. That's, that's where I haven't got. Eric, I think you're a Dansby Swatson guy. You scream Dansby Swatson every year. So what are your thoughts about him? Yeah. I mean, I think you, you were pretty accurate about him. I think at this point in his career, he's a rosterable player. And I, I don't think that that was necessarily true, you know, two years about him. He's going to be hitting in a good lineup. He's going to be hitting with Acuna and Albies, Freddie Freeman, Marcelo Zuna, and Nick Markakis. My hesitancy is he's going to hit at the bottom of the lineup. They have him projected hitting seventh and eighth, depending on if it's a righty or a lefty. He's not going to get as many plate appearances. And I, I think in a shortened season, once again, you want to emphasize the maximum amount of opportunities. Maybe you might want to take a leadoff guy 
who can get two more plate appearances per game. Um, it's interesting. He had an 11-game hit streak last season, but in all but one game, he he recorded exactly one hit. So I think he does make good contact with the ball, but he didn't have a lot of monster days. Um, I don't think he's ever going to reach the hype that he got, but you know, I think for his ADP, he's pretty good value. Yeah, I mean, he's a, a 20 and 10. He's a 20 homer, 10 steal guy in a healthy season, and everybody could use one of those. So mm-hmm. I think he's, I don't want to expect too much more than that, but everybody could use a player like that. Just make sure that you aren't just shooting for the moon with him and taking him five or six rounds early, because I think at this point, you know pretty much what he is. And again, it's a 20 and 10 guy, and that's, that's he's he's not... I don't think his entire first half is exactly who he is, and I don't think his second half of what he is is who he is. I think it's somewhere in that middle ground. Um, any any more comments on Dansby Swats before we to our last question? I always have a little love for Dansby. It's a lot of Dansby Swatson talk. I always think of Cotton Swabs when I read his name. That's so random. I, I like I kind of see it, but Swanson Swab. The swabby, the swabby. <laughs> uh, last question at Good Life writes: What are the biggest differences in drafting in points leagues versus roto? So this is someone that might be a beginner that doesn't understand necessarily at this point right now when they draft in points and when they draft in roto. Which player? What's the, how do you look at players differently when you draft? So. Eric, I'll start with you for this question, or just tag in when Eric's done, and then I'll I'll put a cherry on top of it. Yeah, I mean, I think for Roto, you're going to go more balanced players. Someone like a Malik Smith is more valuable, or people that um, you know hit hit for power. In points, I think in a normal season, it's more pitcher heavy. Uh, you're going to go for the Garrett Coles, the Justin Verlanders that can get you 30 or 40 points, and strikeouts matter more, but so does power. So you're going to want those kind of People are going to be more boom or bust. Art? Um, I I think that the difference is, is around the edges for the two. Um, pl- there are players that are – a player who is really, really good in either one of the formats is is at least pretty good in both formats. When you get to like the later rounds, when you're trying to pick like your catchers uh, – you can't go off of roto rankings if you're playing in a points league because the like eighth through twelfth catchers strike out a hundred times more than they walk in the season, you know. So you gotta you gotta look at the edges. You gotta look at at their k to k to walk ratio in points leagues more. Um, but I think the challenge in roto is is you you have to it's a mathematical challenge. You have to try and fill in categories. Whereas in a points league, you're just looking for overall production, and it's uh, I think it, it makes the whole thing. Um, uh, th- there are different levels of complexity with with both, I think. Yeah, you guys pretty much hit it on the head. Anything I was gonna say, I, I pretty much I simplify it for me. In roto, I look for balanced players, guys that are contribute in five categories, and I look for guys that are gonna contribute highly in one category that's going to help me out like later on when I'm drafting. Like Eric mentioned Malik Smith, someone who I might target later in a roto draft to give me a significant boost in stolen bases when in a points league, stolen bases don't really matter. 
and I'm not drafting Malik Smith. I'm not touching Malik Smith. Um, in points leagues, you want to avoid pitchers that give you negative, and you want to avoid hitters that strike out a ton because they're gonna a hitter might leave you a negative three or four. A pitcher might give you you know a, a negative sixteen. Uh, in points leagues, those those really make a huge deal. And you look at in points leagues, you points per game is something that's a, a very big stat to look at in points per games. And I know a lot of people in, in points leagues also go pitching heavy because pitchers can uh, really determine the impact of your team in that format. And again, just with Roto, I, I look at guys that are balanced. I look at guys that are going to help me and and help me big in certain categories. And you just want to kind of balance your team out in that sense. So it's it's a whole different type of game. And I think it's what people don't realize is that if you play in one league, that it, it's a completely different way of drafting in another league. Yeah, for sure. No, I, 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 I think the orthodoxy in points leagues of going for pitching leaves a lot of opportunities for hitting. And I've been able to build – like hitting is consistent uh, in your build, if you're building your team for a points league. You're good. If you have a really good hitting team, you have a good base every week. If you're a really good pitching team, there's going to be some weeks where your best pitchers only pitch once, and maybe they have a mediocre day. And your entire, if your strategy is too caught up in having great pitching, you get caught in these bad weeks. Uh, I think hitting is better in points leagues uh, to, to go because everyone goes pitching, so you can stack it. It's interesting. Again, we're all, we're all three on the same show, but we all kind of view it differently. Again, I, I, for me, when I played in points leagues earlier on, I had really great hitting, and then I would draft guys. Like this was the Chris Archer and Robbie Rays, kind of when they started downturning a little bit. Uh, their first year they were downturning, and, and those you draft those guys is in like the fourth or fifth round, and, and you realize that you're streaming so much more because – uh, you don't have that those steady presences at the top of your staff, and you're taking more risks streaming. And obviously now they're, you know, as opposed to a few years ago, there's more analytical data you can look at to see which guys are breaking out and which guys you should pick up. But at the same time, you're taking a lot more risks when you have to stream more. And that's that's why, at least for me, I, I'm glad Art differs because Art views it differently. Art's won a championship in the league we're in. I've won a championship in the league we're in. Uh, I can't say the same about Eric, but <laughs> uh, God, I hate you know. And and the thing is, David's <laughs> now saying his his picks with Chris Archer and Robbie Ray. We told David at the time we're like, yeah, we don't know if we like that one too. <laughs> David just doesn't want to admit that he made bad picks. But at that, that that time, that was when Jose Altuve was an MVP. I had Freddie Freeman. I had um, I think I had. Car- it's, it's okay I, to admit you you made bad picks, David. Just I let just, it out. At that, at that point in the fourth and fifth round, those I, were the top pitchers on the board. It's not like I reached down to get them. Those were the top two on the board. Just let and it out. No, I, I'm just saying that, that I've, I've are learned. Are you not denying those were bad picks? I mean, obviously with their performance, of course they were bad yeah, picks. But it's so difficult to answer the question. This sounds like you're salty because you haven't won our league title yet. <laughs> Loser! <laughs> Maybe I'll win this year in the shortened season. Eric, Eric, what letters on my forehead? I don't know. It's not an L because you did it. L, L, Because you did it backwards. You know what I put up. Uh, You dummy. (laughs) Well, I'm glad the good life wrote that question in because that that kind of takes it to something that I kind of – we started as a group – Triple play fantasy as we've been growing and growing, we want to ingrain ourselves more with uh, the top people out there, the top podcasts, the top experts in the industry. We're, we're, you know, we have all these great guys come on the show. We talk with them, but it's, it's, it's not just all talk. We want to be about it. So 
having triple plays first team in the NFBC. We've been undergoing a draft right now. We're in the middle of it. So I wanted to talk with you guys about the team that's currently being drafted and just kind of just giving you my thoughts on how I'm, things are breaking down right now. And for those that haven't drafted an NFBC, it's 15 teams. So uh, it's a little bit, uh, the, the talent is a little thinner as far as being able to acquire it. Um, it's roto format, no trades. So it, it's, it's very intense. And the draft is, I've been at this draft since June 29th. So if, again, if you're looking to start and I, you know, I'm learning more as I go along, this is something that's probably going to be a week event. It's something that you just have to keep checking your phone for a week till you finish your draft. It's 30 rounds or 30 players. Um, so it's, it's a marathon and I'm really having a blast with it. And I, I'm really, there are some things I, I'm like, I, I'm getting shocked at as, I, as we're drafting here and I'm realizing who, who's getting reached for. And then there's certain things I'm really satisfied. I feel like people are sleeping on. So I'm going to read the team that's being drafted right now for triple play. And Art and Eric are going to give their analysis on it because right now I'm doing the drafting for the team. And uh, just it's, it's too hard, unfortunately, us three all not being together, that we can't all sit here and analyze every single pick together before it's made. So I've been making the picks on behalf of the uh, podcast. So we are in the 12th round. And as our roster currently shapes, we took Justin Verlander, and we took Jose Ramirez with our first two picks. And we have the 15th pick, which is the last pick of the round. So, Eric, how do you like the Justin Verlander, Jose Ramirez picks that were made at that spot? I love it. You know, with Justin Verlander, you're getting someone with ace potential that has done this before. A veteran in a shortened season that might not need the time to build up his body because he knows how to manage it. And with Jose Ramirez, you're getting a, a potential five-tool category guy. Um, you know, had a really good end of the second half, and is going to be facing some weak pitching. With the 3-4 turn next time around, we took Luis Castillo and George Springer. Art, what did you think of those two picks? I liked the direction you went on the picks. you got to get outfielders is a... Uh, it's a deep outfielder league, so getting Springer there, who had a f- fantastic season last year, uh, he's also like like you said, a, a guy who contributes a little bit in the speed as well. So that's a great uh, four and a half tool player right there. Uh, Castillo, I, I also think go pitching again. Uh, there was a lot of pitching there. There was a lot of guys that we all liked there. Um, you know. Uh, uh, um, Patrick Corbin was available. Um, um, Lucas Giolito was available. Uh, you know, we, I, I was, you know, as we were talking it through, it's like, you know, yeah, you got to go, go, go pitching again. And uh, Castillo is great. I mean, I, I think I have lingering two seasons ago. I drafted him too high. So I'm <laughs> wary of drafting him too high again. So maybe I'm sl- slow to this because a lot of people I really respect love him, but I had Corbin and Giolito ahead of him at that point. The next two picks we made were, if you're a Yankees fan, you're definitely a fan of these picks. We did uh, DJ, or first was Aroldis Chapman, and then DJ LeMayhew. And I was, one thing that I definitely learned, and I've you know, listened to a lot of pods, one I recommend you listen to is, uh, I'm always a proponent of Bubba's podcast. I've had him on the show. Amazing guy. Love the guy. Um, he had Phil DeSalle on the show, 
and he the guy's just so knowledgeable and knows what he's doing and and he gave such great insight so if you're looking to join an nfbc league or just want to hear someone that knows what they're talking about talk about it to help you think some strategy that's a great podcast to listen to one thing that he mentioned is that in this shortened season saves are going to be such a premium that you don't want to pick guys like emilio pagans or um jose alvarado's guys that you're not sure if they're going to get the saves because in a shortened season you can't afford to just sit there and wait so you have to get the guys like the oldest chapmans the kirby yates the um you know the guys that are um, you know, the, the Roberto Azunas, the guys that you know have the job and are most likely going to keep the job the whole year. That's a that's you win that category if you go and you get a couple of relievers like that early. Um, because people are going to be shuffling the Cardinals bullpen's a question. You don't know who's closing out games uh and you know in, in a lot of different areas. So you get guys you know that the they're the closer, that can be huge. And so I went with that strategy and, and went with Chapman and, and DJ LeMay, who's who's just a flat out stud atop of the arguably the best lineup in baseball he's going to give you runs he's going to give you a few steals he's going to give you good batting average he's going to contribute in a lot of categories eric what did you think about those two picks yeah i love them and dj lemayu an ultimate roster flexibility i think first mm-hmm. second third right mm-hmm. you know you, you picked two people in in a good offense that will hopefully give chapman a lot of saves and lemayu a lot of at bats then we went back to pitching with the seventh, eighth round, and we went Sonny Gray and Taylor Rogers. Again, we wanted to take another guy that pretty much has a closer job on a good team that's going to get saved, so that's why we snuck Taylor Rogers in there. And Sonny Gray uh, stacked up again on a starting pitcher who, if you uh, actually, if you look at the starting pitcher streamers rankings, he was really high. Uh, starting uh, starting pitching streaming podcast, very high on Sonny Gray. Um, basically, if you look inside the numbers, his breakout, or if you want to say it's a breakout, his revelation last year was not a fluke. Um, if you look at the numbers, he really was able to get back to what he was doing in Oakland. And he's in, again, the Central Division, and I know there's some good teams in his division, but he does play the Pirates. He will get a chance to play against the the Royals and the Tigers. Um, so I, I think Sonny Gray right there, that's why I looked at him. And his value at that point was he, he had been slipping a little bit as well. So, Art, what did you think of those two picks? I love both of them. Uh, Sonny Gray is one of my uh, favorite uh, pitchers around that area because uh, he produced very well last year. He started slow and then really kicked in late. Um, Sonny Gray, great pickup. Um, I, the big thing that you didn't mention that is often talked about is how he reunited with his college pitching coach when he went to Cincinnati. Mm, good call. I think – I think that that shows that there's a little bit of trust, and, and as we've as has been mentioned about him many times, he was a pitcher who didn't like pitching in New York, and he's not in New York, so I think you can you can expect him to be his his normal self, back to normal. And Rogers is one of my favorite mid round closers. He's he's probably the top of of his of his sort of tier to me because Minnesota's so good, and he's got the job. He was too he was too good last year. He's going to keep the job. So I love I love this uh, this uh, what is this eighth eighth ninth round? This was ninth, seven eighth. Seven eight. I love this seven eighth. Then uh, the ninth tenth round, we went back to hitters, tried to go against with the balance approached, and we picked up Carlos Santana and Jorge Polanco. Uh, looking at Kai, at Corey Seager went right before my pick, so I was sagged the next best option with Jorge Polanco, which is not a bad consolation prize. Eric, what did you think of the Carlos Santana, Jorge Polanco picks at this point? Well, I like Carlos Santana, and if you've listened to this pod before, you know Art does as well. 
Carlos Santana is going to get on base. He's not going to strike out a lot. Um, he's going to get a decent amount of walks, RBIs, runs, hit for a little power. I think at the 9-10, that's a great pick. And then Polanco, you know, shortstop is a little bit of a sleep of a thin position. You know, you can get a Dansby Swanson later, but Polanco is going to play in a good offense. I don't think you have to worry about him splitting playing time with anyone. So once again, two solid picks. We're number one so far. Then the last two picks that were made, we're about to go into round 13, but the 11 and 12, Robbie Ray and Malik Smith. And believe it or not, this is actually about where Malik Smith was ranked. It wasn't a reach to get him. He was the second or third uh, player from the top. So I thought this was a good spot to get some steals. So I, I felt, again, Malik Smith in last year led Major League Baseball in uh, stolen bases, I believe. It was either him or, or Mondesi, but um, this is a guy that spent some time in AAA, barely played, and still led the Major Leagues in, in stolen bases or, or was one of the top in stolen bases. So he can win a category for you by himself if, if he's playing every day, which he's the projected starting center fielder. He can't get sent down to AAA this year. So I felt like at that point, getting a steel source like Malik Smith in the outfield is going to be great for that category. And then Robbie Ray... I really am a believer in his, I mean, he, first of all, he's going to be a big contributor in K's and you don't get penalized as much for, again, if, uh, he's, if he gives up some runs, I'm, I'm looking for the category he's going to contribute in, in strikeouts. Um, I, I'm a believer that now that he changed his position on the mound, that he's going to limit his walks and it's going to limit his runs. And he's also at the top of that Arizona Diamondback staff. So I think they're going to let him pitch enough innings to get wins. So those were my kind of my feelings for Robbie Ray. In that sense, Art, what do you think of those two picks? I, I think you, uh, you know, grabbing Malik Smith here uh, is it, it's 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 a you know a, 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 some some analysts stay away from Malik. Some analysts don't mind picking up. I like getting his steals in, and and he maybe he spikes a good batting average like he did two seasons ago in Tampa Bay when he hit almost 300. Uh, he's not he's not a contributor in the RBI category at all. He doesn't contribute power. He might contri- he'll contribute some runs and a lot of steals, and he's he's the best in the league at it. Um, and as we talked about, he's going to give you at least eight this season. <laughs> Probably more like ten. Uh, maybe 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 fifteen. Uh, and and that alone is going to put you in the middle of the pack in steals. So that I think he, you know, him with Ramirez, you're going to be up near the top. You might be able to trade him. And I think the the other thing that you did here with Robbie Ray, uh, you know, I'm I'm planning the season out. You got your fourth starter already, so you got a lot of strikeouts there. You got a lot of wins there. I think already uh, on on your competitors, um, you might have trade chips here with this deep rotation. Oh wait, yeah, no, this is not trade. This is not trade. Non-trading league, isn't it? Uh, no, I, I get what your head's at, though. I, yeah, I, yeah. I think again, the the key things I'm learning, and I, I've played roto before, but again, with a 15-team league, and this is a main event qualifier, so obviously these are people that know what they're doing. Not saying that we don't play with people that don't know what they're doing, but it's it's, it's draft. It's a different way of drafting, and it's a marathon. And and again, the first thing I'm going to say is if you aren't doing NFBC, I really recommend you do it if you think if you're trying to become a serious player because it is a, an adrenaline rush with this going on right now. It's fun. Um, you know, you, you do have time in between picks, so you don't have to stare at your phone. You can start planning, you know, a little bit when it's closer to your pick, but you don't have to just sit here and just wait. Um, I'm having a blast with it. I, I, I 
think I'm going the balanced approach. I have six hitters and six pitchers right now. Um, I think I've, I've got two good closers. I've got, um, I need, you know, to fill out my outfit a little bit more, but my infield's taken care of. Um, it, it's, it's something that I feel good about through 12 rounds. We'll see how the last 18 shake up, but we've got us three working together and hopefully triple play will be in that main event next year with this league win. So if you're listening, keep your fingers crossed for us. We'll keep updating you as the season goes on. With that being said, let's move to our last segment. We're going to skip the question of the week this week, and we are going straight to the game. And our game this week is being run by the loser of our league. So, Eric, go ahead and take it away. Speaking of loser, David's on a losing streak on our games. Uh, Since we talked about umpires... Uh, this game is, I'm going to read off 10 names, and you have to tell me whether they're a baseball umpire or a 19th century politician. Um, <laughs> Art, I felt like you knew some of these, so I had to change them out. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read the name, and I want you to tell me what you think they are, and we'll go one by one. You guys ready? Let's do it. I'm ready. All right, David. David, we're going to start with you. Roger B. Tanny. I think the fact that you put a middle initial in there, you're trying to throw me off, and it's definitely an umpire. Okay. Art? He's a politician. Oh, Art is right. That's one nothing. (laughs) David's already on his way to lose. I just wanted to give him a lead just to feel good about himself. Number two, and Art, we're beginning with you, Rocky Rowe. Umpire. David. He, sound, he definitely sounded sure about that, so I'm going to piggyback off of that. He is an umpire. Art, two for two to start. The next one, David, this is for you. C.B. Buckner. I think it's an umpire. Art? Umpire. You guys are right. He is an umpire. All right, Art, next one for you. Harry Hunter Wendelstedt. The third. Umpire. Yeah, it's definitely such a weird name. It's an umpire. You're making me think it's it's something else. Oh, good job, you guys. You're doing better than I thought. The next one. David, this is for you. Salmon P. Chase. I'm going to go politician. Art? Politician. You guys are both right. Man, I can't fool you. All right, Art, six, this is for you. Fielden Colbreth. Fielden Colbreth. Mm-hmm. Politician. David? Umpire. He is an umpire. We have yes. a tie game. All right, David, the next one is for you. Jerry Davis. You made me think it's an umpire with a basic name, but it's a politician. Art? Umpire. It is an umpire, and Art takes the lead. All right. Art, this is your number eight. Skylar Colfax. Politician. I think David. it's a politician as well. He is a politician. 
Number nine, David, we begin with you. Gideon Wells. Gideon Wells. I'm going to say politician. Art? Politician, yeah. He is a politician. So Art is up by one on David. And the last one, Art, we're starting with you. Andrew Butler. Andrew Butler. Mm-hmm. That is too basic a name for me to know for sure either way. I feel like Andrew Butler is a politician. If we weren't, if I didn't need this to tie the game, I would have said politician as well, but I, I have to say umpire just to the chance. Well, it sucks that Art got it. Art wins the game <laughs> with a solid 9 out of 10. David with a decent seven out of ten. I would have had eight out of. I would have had eight out of ten because I. I. That's what I would have said if it, I didn't need to guess different. Ah, oh, the world is happy. David lost. <laughs> the sun is shining. Yeah, but see, you're like Huzzah! reaching. You're reaching because an eight out of eight should have been an eight out of ten. That's an eighty. Eight out of ten would still lose, David. <laughs> yeah, but if I if I brought an eight out of ten home to my parents, they would be very happy with that. David's cold. David's been losing games. Everybody loves it. <laughs> Sounds like the loser talking over there. Eric, how many leagues have you won? Zero. How many games have you won? Probably zero. <laughs> now you're reaching, but all right. Well, we've, we've run a little long today. We appreciate everybody listening. I hope you had a little bit of fun. Thank you for everybody that sent in their questions. We'll do another one of these again soon. But we have some amazing, and I said A, emphasizing, amazing guests coming up over the next few weeks that uh, we wanted to make sure we just did a kind of a more intimate three of us mailbag show before we get to our great guests coming up. Don't want to let you guys know what those are yet, but you will see in the weeks coming. Before we leave and end the show, or anything you want to say? I just want to tell, remind people to uh, wear their masks when they go out. I think it's very important that we all do our part to help the country get over this. And, you know, baseball hopefully will help us get through this. But everyone, wear your mask. It's for other people. It's not for you. I saw that Twitter said that they'll ed- put an edit button there if people put their masks on. Did you guys see that? Yeah. That was pretty dope. Eric, anything you want to say? Two things. One, for everybody wondering, this is how David and I actually are. There's just a camera recording us or a mic recording us. And two, Rob Manfred came out recently and said there was always going to be a 60-game schedule. We, didn't, we, didn't, we, we knew we weren't going to go forward with anything else. Why would you say that? You literally wasted everybody's time. Trey Wingo ranted about it today, and he's a pretty cool-headed guy. Just another reason to hashtag Fire Manfred. Uh, uh, yeah, I figured you were going to go in the Rob Manfred direction. You Always. caught me by surprise. I, I, I forgot it was coming, and then you, you just drop it. It's a Manfred bomb. That was a Manfred <laughs> bomb, and I was so here for it. <laughs> Well, we appreciate everybody listening. Again, I know I, I plugged it already, but please, if you are enjoying the content, please give us a five-star rating and, and write us a nice review. We shout out every single one that does that for us. We did have someone, Jacob uh, Dunn, who did submit a question in that wrote us a nice review. 
and we really, really appreciate it. So if you are enjoying it, we that helps us grow. It helps us get seen by more people and, and listen to. So we appreciate everybody that does do that. Excited for you guys to see what's coming up. Show is doing big things. We are growing rapidly, and we want you along for the ride. So just stick with us, and we, we hope to keep providing you awesome content. Until next week, play on, players.